Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Airedale Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always. If you keep a track at home, episode 77, making our way to the top. Shout out Nick Sanders, one of our good friends from Palm Lakes High School. War 77 when he played football here for us. But, Joels, I am going to go with the one of, if not the most famous, Pompton Lakes football alumni, and that would be Charlie Getty, 6'4", 265, born and raised in Pompton Lakes, graduated in 1969, uh, went on to the NFL, played 10 years uh, after he went to Penn State to play college, played 10 years in the pros. He played for Kansas City for nine of those, Green Bay for the last one, he went. He had only two years where he played under 14 games. Guy seems like a rock on the offensive line. Uh, and quick, quick story: when my our senior year, me and Joel graduated the same year. Our senior year of high school, um, I got named captain of our football team, and as as the only captain, the last time Palmdale Lakes only had one singular captain dates back to 1969. And Mr. Charlie Getty. Unfortunately, I'm not going pro. I didn't go to Penn State, so I didn't exactly follow in the footsteps. But uh, nonetheless, a unbelievable Pomp the Lakes alum. Uh, Jalan and I were talking about it pre-show. Probably the most famous, uh, just in terms of NFL getting there, uh, the production in the league, and obviously having such a sustained career at a position that generally doesn't see that. But Joel's, we go from packed booth last week to uh, to lone booth today. Joel Ambayoka here with me. Joel, what's um, up, dude? We are back to the basics. Just you and I, of course, as always. It's, it's a just pleasure. you and me. And yeah, you wanted to go with an OG Iron Man and Getty. I'm going to go with a modern Iron Man and Whitworth. He's the oldest player to win a Super Bowl, or oldest lineman, rather, to win a Super Bowl at age 40. Um, played in 239 games, four-time Pro Bowl, two-time All-Pro. Spent most of his career with the Bengals, back half with the Rams. You know him, I know him. One receiving touchdown, Andrew Whitworth. Just a guy that always deserved to win a Super Bowl. I didn't really care who you rooted for. He just, he was always a guy that deserved to win one. Um, another one that comes to mind, you know, it, it's just crazy. All these seventy sevens, Joel. It's there's there's a lot of them. Whitworth uh, being the big one. So let's 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 get it rolling today. We actually start today on a, a more sour note. Um, we have the, the passing of Franco Harris this morning, and we forgot to mention last week the passing of Mike Leach. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Franco because his is more recent. I mean, his number was supposed to be retired this year, only third one in Steelers history. What do you know about Franco Harris and his legacy? Franco Harris, obviously the immaculate reception. What a lot of people don't know is that the Steelers were set to celebrate the 50th anniversary of that catch. Uh, because it was December 23rd, 1972, uh, when that play took place. Harris, obviously, John uh, Fuqua was the intended receiver for quarterback Terry Bradshaw. Fuqua obviously did not come up with the catch. Franco Harris did. Harris was a rookie, by the way, when he caught the immaculate reception. Uh, just an unbelievable guy, Jolana. And you listen to, again, we don't know him personally, obviously, but you listen to people talk about him. You listen to the stories. You listen to the to the testimony from people. The guy just seemed like not only a good football player, and, and to me it's the best compliment you can give an athlete. You're not only great at what you do on the field, but you're an even better person. Uh, and I think that's where Franco Harris's legacy sits. And uh, obviously, you know, only one of only three Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have a lot of good players, right? We think, you know, you think about the defensive side of the ball and everything like that. It, you know, Franco being on the offensive side, that's rare. But, uh, it, yeah, man, it's it, it's sad. It, it is really sad. You know, you lose a legend. We have a guy like our friend Crucky saying, you know, man, everybody that he watched growing up as a kid is starting to go, you know. So it's kind of scary. It's kind of tough to think about. But, obviously, we send our condolences to the Harris family. And uh, and, and hopefully, Jolan, he passed peacefully. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Mike Leach as well. I mean, obviously the innovator of the air raid offense. What do you know about his stories and his college football legacy and what he's brought to the game of football? Mike Leach is probably going to go down as the most unique coach that's ever coached at any level of football. If you just have conversations with the guy, he will talk your ear off about everything. There's actually, if you YouTube it, I'm blanking on exactly who the reporter was, but I'm pretty sure he, like, talked the reporter into, like, how her boyfriend should propose to her. And so, like, Mike Leach was a guy that was so far beyond X's and O's and the air raid. And we know when Luke Falk was there at Washington State, they were throwing the ball like 65 times a game and everything like that. He, he'd air it out against anybody. Joe, one of the most famous Mike Leach moments 
is their bowl game. It had to be two years ago, I think, two or three years ago. He's taking pictures in the stands because it's Mike Leach. Everybody wants a photo of Mike Leach. And his team is literally brawling on the field after the game. And I'm not talking like pushing and shoving. I'm talking there's like haymakers coming down from this fight. Uh, Mike Leach was just another guy who you wanted to get to know as a person even more than you did as a football coach. John, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you there's a lot of kids out there right now that when you ask them that question that we always got asked as kids, if you could go to dinner with any four people, who would it be? I bet you Mike Leach's name comes up a little bit more than uh, than the naked eye may believe, but uh, Mike Leach is just an unbelievable coach, an unbelievable person, and a unique person. He had his own way of doing things and uh, always just always just kept going, man. So obviously rest in peace to him as well, and you know uh, condolences to his family. Two guys whose names definitely have outlived, <clears throat> excuse me, their lives. But we stay here. We go back to baseball in New York. There's a lot of news. A lot of news in Queens as of this morning. 3 a.m. Lay it on me, baby. What are the Mets doing? Yeah, Carlos Correa is now going to be a New York Met. <laughs> oh, the Suds Ooh. are in town, baby. I'm getting, chucked, I'm getting choked up here. Uh, Carlos Correa is going to be a Met. 12 years, $315 million. Flipped from the San Francisco Giants. I think we talked about it last week with uh, Ryan and Teddy on the podcast, episode 76. And, uh, Joel's it's, it's unbelievable. You know, the story goes as, you know, there's a lot of, well, was it his medicals? Was it all this? The reports coming out from Scott Boris are saying that basically as soon as they agreed, they didn't really hear anything from the Giants. And the Giants may have been walking back a little bit, maybe wanted to go less years, less money. Scott Boris doesn't ever settle for less money. He's... He's the guy, Jules, if you're trying to go to a car, if you're at a car dealership and you're trying to buy a car for less than the MSRP, he's the guy you want to stay away from. He'd never go below MSRP uh, in that scenario. So Scott Boris, they, they just never heard anything. Then they canceled the press conference. That's when I think the negotiations restarted. And at that point, our boy Stevie Cohen's out there in Hawaii. So while it's 3 a.m. here, it's like, what, 10 p.m. over there or something like that? And uh, he, he was working out a deal. Him and Billy Epler were up late. And uh, they got this thing done. Joel, I got to tell you, I was writing a sports report. And I opened up ESPN. And I'm like, why is Carlos Correa on the... And I'm, this is like 5.30 in the morning. My eyes are still crusty, barely open. And I'm like, why is Carlos Correa... Did that say to the Mets? And I couldn't believe it. I had to go to Twitter, make sure everything was going on. Because um, we know Heyman tweeted that, you know, Arson Judge was going to the Giants. And so I had to make sure everything was... Was uh, was true. It's crazy, man. It is crazy. Steve Cohen is flexing his muscle, and not even his muscle. He's flexing his money. And Joel's. We've sat here before, and I I've told you I've been like spend, 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 spend. Get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And it seems like a pipe dream every time you talk about it. This guy's literally doing it. He's playing. He's playing MLB the Show with trades and salary cap turned off. Like this guy, or, or you can force trades, I should say. That, that's a setting, I believe, in in the show. This guy's just doing everything, and it is, it's getting Met fans excited. It should get Met fans excited because, Joe's, you've mentioned it. You Your favorite phrase, the Mets are in an arm race in the uh, arms race in the NL East. So they have to continue to stockpile talent, and Correa now is going to go from shortstop to third base. Him and Lindor great friends um and now Joel's the Mets are in a great spot why because not only are they putting a great product on the field in terms of all these players they had they now have a surplus in certain areas which will allow them to make trades and potentially fill other holes like I think they still want another outfielder we'll see if that's Brett Beatty moving back but is is Beatty trade bait I don't know we'll see but you've got Escobar you've got Beatty You've now got Correa. You've got a guy like Luis Guillorme. Is he gone now, too? McCann's still got to go. It's a lot, man, but it's that's a good problem to have, and the Mets have a talent surplus right now, and I love it. So where does this bring expectations now of moving on to the 2023 ball season? Is it championship or bust? You're looking at over, I mean, it's half a billion dollars now at the luxury tax. What does this mean? Uh, this is championship or bust. This is as, as big championship or bust as it gets. I don't care that you haven't won a World Series since 1986. I don't care that you've been in the playoffs three times in the last 20 years. It is championship or bust with this baseball team. 
when you pay half a billion dollars, when you create your own luxury tax, when you just say, like, I have enough money and you don't, and just, like, just drown the other teams, you have to go win a World Series, right? Everybody got pissed off at the Yankees when they used to buy stuff, you know, buy players, but they won a championship, right? 2009, famously. Every, oh, they bought. Oh, so seven was the big spending year, but nine was the fruition. right. And then they finished. They topped it off in oh nine with some with some major CC. acquisition. AJ Burnett, um, stuff like that. Big, you know, they got those big contracts. Then they won. So then, you know, then you can celebrate it, Joel. So until the Mets win the World Series, the pressure is on, and it is championship or bust in this city. But I'll tell you what, it is going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be exciting all year long. Looking around the baseball world now, what does this do for baseball as a whole with the Mets spending money like this? Steve Cohen obviously entering the picture not too long ago now, three years ago. What does this mean for baseball? Well, I hope they're upset. I And I know people that have friends that are saying it's bad for baseball. And you know what? You can take that take and shove it so far up your rear end, it doesn't come out. Because, I listen, you know, all these owners have this kind of money. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not willing to go to $500, $600 million. Steve Cohen is. But these owners, like Pittsburgh, like Oakland, Oakland's got a $22.5 million payroll this year. To be fair, Oakland doesn't have this kind of money. This is only 8% of Steve's net worth. Yeah, but his their owner can spend money. He can spend $100 million on a team. More money than he's spending, correct. Correct. That And that is what I think I'm getting at, Joel. Is that maybe not everybody can get to this level, but they can get to a certain level. $22.5 million for an entire team's payroll. Robbie Cano is going to get paid more, of that, more than that at $24 million to not play for the Mets than the Oakland A's have. You know, and there's, there's other teams, Joel. As you look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's another one. Guys, go out and spend money. All these, and if you're not going to spend money, sell it to somebody who will, and let's roll. Because at the end of the day, baseball with this wheeling and dealing, it's great. It's exciting for the fans. And at the end of the day, Joel's, what have we talked about the last two years? This is a sport that needs to find a way to get fans riled up and excited for baseball. I'm, this, I think, I think does it. I mean, it almost has, and it's Steve Cohen independently. But who do you think now looks to? maybe drive a wedge between Steve Cohen and what he's doing and winning a World Series the old-fashioned way. Is there any teams in the up-and-coming do you think aren't spending a ton that might be able to have a chance at this? Uh, I mean, you always look at the Rays. The Rays are just a thorn in everybody's side. Their development staff down there is as good as you'll find in baseball. Um, but I don't I don't see any up-and-coming teams like I think we saw it last year. The top set I'm almost. Pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure the top five in spending all made the postseason – now you and, have the uh, Phillies. It's... Yeah, Phillies and, and the Dodgers and, you know, the Yankees still are up there. So, you know, we'll we'll see, Joel's and, and who's the next chess piece? You know, and I think that's what Cohen opens up to. Who's next? And I don't have that answer. I promise you, I don't have that answer. But who's next in, ter- in terms of baseball? Are the Yankees going to go make a move? Are the Dodgers going to go make a move? Dodgers have been real quiet this offseason, right? So... Are they going to go out and make a move? Do the Padres do something? Make a move is a great way to segue into my next question. There you go. Are the Mets done? Do the Mets make a move still after what they've done? No, I think the Mets still have holes. I think they still want another outfielder. I know we talked about Brett Beatty being there a little bit, but um, I, Joel's, I think the top target, if you're a Met fan, may not be this off. Well, this I would still look at Liam uh, Hendricks, I believe is his name, closer from the White Sox. If you get him and you pair him with the guy rally that they have, and Diaz, Ottavino just came back. Jones, you're talking about a legitimate bullpen for a team that that was the biggest question mark last year was what's their bullpen going to do? Uh, that and a big, big bat, but yeah. That that and a big bat. I still think they need a big bat. I still think Darren Ruff doesn't belong on this roster, but, you know, that's me. And that's But, Jones, I think the big bat may be coming midseason in the form of Shohei Otani. And I think we a have deadline to— deadline move? I think the Angels are going to sell— because, right, the only reason they would keep him and think they have a chance to re-sign him is if they're good. We know they're not going to be. So, and, and Joel's if they don't get anything for him, that fan base is going to implode. I mean, you have a chance to take, you know, three top prospects, you know, uh, four or five top prospects from a team to get him. Not just a team, almost anybody. Right, 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 right. From anybody, 
and you would pass that up. I don't see it. I think they're trading him by the deadline. And the Mets, what they've done this year with all these acquisitions, Joels, they haven't lost any prospects. They've got all their top guys still there to go make a run at Shohei Otani midseason. I think that's the deal if you're a Met fan. That's the one you're sitting back and stirring. You know how in the old days they had to like stir the butter for like nine hours before they could actually use it? Churning. Yeah, churning the butter. There you go. 1900s term. Um, the Mets, I think the Mets are just going to be churning butter until midseason. And I think I, I think they I think they exploded the deadline. We have some exciting news as well. From the Queens to the Bronx we go. There's a new captain in town. The Yankees had a press conference reintroducing Judge. Goose, what does this mean for the Yankees? What is their outlook of the season? Are they done? I thought, you know, I thought this was really good. Um we I thought this was in the contract uh, for him to come back. I know he didn't end up taking technically less money, um, but I, I, I did believe even if he did take less money this would have been part of the reason uh, because I knew it would be part of the package. So good for him. He deserves it. It's awesome. He's I, earned it. 16th captain in Yankees history. I mean, last first one since Jeter. I think I'll remember where I was for it. I was working. I heard it on the radio, and I actually called it before they announced him. They mentioned Derek Jeter was in the building. Yep. And I work with my father, so I said, hey, this is it. Captain's in the building to announce another captain. It's, so, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, so it's, beautiful. it's a good ceremony. and But in terms of on the field, Jules, Listen, they got Rodon, and I. It, it's an unbelievable addition. Six years, $162 million. Their staff is really good. But I also still have questions about the staff. What in Frankie Montas showed you last year that he's ready to handle New York? There wasn't much. Luis Severino has been banged up the last five years. Uh, Sevy's like a four or five now, though. Right. That's, that's replaceable. Right, but still, you're, you're looking at... And who's the guy? Uh, you got Herman behind him. Herman's been another guy in and out. Cortez, you know, again, Nestor, he's going to, at some point, he's got to take on a 180-inning workload. And I wonder if he can. Right? He got he got to one, I think he got to 150 last year, and they backed him down in September. I, got, I want to see him get to 180. I am not a Yankee defender at all. But you can argue that Nestor Cortez might be the best three in baseball. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be had. I mean, that's pretty solid if you ask but, me. But again, like I need to see him. Like he can't, he can't fake a groin injury again in September. That's what all these guys do. They they need their arm rested, and because they can't legally just say I'm resting my arm, they say, "Oh, I pull my groin while running sprints as a Back pitcher." Back spasms. Yeah, right. Or my neck hurts from twisting up and down and looking at the stars at I night. I woke up the wrong way. Right. So. That's what Matt's did, right? The one time he was sleeping in a recliner, he hurt his neck. He was out for a start. Uh, one of the dumbest injuries in New York sports history. But, uh, yeah, no, listen, I think one, two, three, they can go with anybody. I think four and five. You know, that's that's why, Joel's I wouldn't necessarily, you know, make them the best. And, again, like, I'm not going to sit here and say the Mets are the best rotation in baseball. I don't know who is. Um, and we got to see who stays healthy, man. That's, that's part of this grind. We can't predict who's going to get hurt, but we know something's going to happen. And it happens every year. We saw the Yankees last year. They came out. All five starters look like Cy Young for the first, you know, whatever that hot start. Lights out. And then by the time we got to after the All-Star break, they look like the Bad News Bears. And so, you know, it's kind of how do you balance that and how do you make it more even? Yankees have an unbelievable staff. It very well could be the best in baseball, Joels, but time will tell. Do you always tell. Do you worry that they haven't done enough to outdo the Astros yet, or is this team ready to go head to head for the AL title? Well, we'll see. You know, it. Um, I don't know. I I don't know if lineup wise they have. Again, there's still time for them to go make a move. I think pitching wise, something they're in the conversation definitely. Cashman can fleece anybody on their prospects, so maybe they're in on Otani come the deadline, and he you know sells his top prospect as you know. The next coming of Babe Ruth, and the guy turns out to be Wally Pipp, um, you know, and and that's how Brian Cashman fleeces everybody. But that's nonetheless, it's a good job by Cashman. I'm not like making fun, you know, like that's good for him. He's a smart guy by doing that, but he gets everybody. Um, and so yeah, I I think they need another bat though, Joel's. I mean, you're running it back with Aaron Hicks, Josh Donaldson, and IKF. Aaron Hicks cannot be on this lineup opening day. We're we're gonna see. We're gonna see, man. They lost out on Benintendi. Benintendi goes to goes to Chicago. Donaldson, you with the money, you have to eat him. You have to keep him out there. And he's not a bad third baseman by any means. Just a terrible bat last year. But if Aaron Hicks sees this team, 
This team, I don't know. I think they, they got to call up this kid Volpe. I know we're talking about Aaron Harrison in a completely different position. I think this Volpe kid's got to come up. It, it's it, We talked about it last week. It's the same thing as Alvarez, though. Tired of hearing about these guys. Like, I'm tired of hearing about these prospects. Oh, well, you know, he's projected by the the eighth developmental scout in Major League Baseball who aids out of Ontario, Canada, has said that this guy could be the greatest player since Mickey Mantle if he bats left-handed for 80% of his MA. Like, this is, what, like, this is stupid stuff. Get these guys to the Major League and tell me if they can play or not. Jules, the Braves' first-round pick a year ago played in double-A for half the year and then got called up immediately. And he's a first-round pick. But Ooh. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Grisham. Oh, yeah. The Vaughn Grisham or, or whatever his name is. Yeah. You see how fast these guys move? You know why? Because you have to find out if they can play ball or not. If they can't, you move on. You know what I mean? Like, they, they found something in him that they love that they didn't bring back Danzy Swanson for. Danzy Swanson now with the Cubs. So... That's how you figure out, and that's how you move off of bad contracts or avoid getting into bad contracts, is by bringing these guys up and seeing what you got. I've been told about the Volpe guy for f- four years now. Yeah, Bring so, him up. Well, he's a local guy, Del Barton, obviously Morristown. Good. So we've been talking about him for quite a while. But yeah. yeah. Good for him, but bring him up. Like, it's time. It, it is time. You need a spark. Um, I think that's the thing, Joel. If you're going to run this team back, you're going to have a lot of fans that are going to, oh, God, here we go again. The sky is still gray. This still stinks, and the Astros will win. Bring this guy up. Get a spark. See what he can bring to your baseball team. It can't be any worse than IKF. Like, you can't get less production out of Volpe than you did out of IKF. I, I'm, I'm serious about that. Why not? Bring up the kid. It's time. What are some other moves around baseball? You mentioned Seth Lugo was on the move. Seth Lugo goes to the Padres on a uh, two-year deal. He's going to be a starter again. Good for him. Uh, He had an attitude in the bullpen of, I need three to four days off in between appearances. Sorry, pal. That's not how it works. But uh, he'll get a chance to pitch in San Diego. Hope he doesn't grease up his ears like Musgrove did. Uh, Matt Carpenter also signs with San Diego. uh, Congratulations to Matt, who's... You know, join the Yankees, look like Babe Ruth, and now gets a contract with Padres. Syndergaard went to the Dodgers. Syndergaard went to the Dodgers, which means when the Dodgers come to City Field, July 14th to July 16th, do not expect Noah Syndergaard to be uh, pitching much at all. He will probably take the weekend off and uh, and rest for the All-Star break that is right after that. So um, that is, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, that's I it I think for in baseball. terms of the big moves, we mentioned Swanson to the Cubs. Uh, that's a good deal. Brandon Drury to the Angels on a two-year deal, which is an interesting pickup for them. How about the shade Swanson threw on the Yeah, Swanson in his opening press conference said that we all know that the Cubs fans are the best fans in the world. Um, He's been there 48 hours. It's unfortunate, too, Joels, because not only is he saying that about the Braves, the Braves were his hometown team. I was watching a a video, I think it was like a thank you video for him, like that was his team. Like that, he was so happy to be there, and when he got traded, there was a basically a kid coming out of Vanderbilt, or no, coming out of LSU. It's just a kid, man. Like he 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 loved that place. It was his home. To then in forty eight hours be like, well, the best fans reside here. Like, come on, guy. Like this is you know we we see through you. We saw through with Jacob Degrom. We see through with you. And, and Joel's all I gotta say is, listen, man. I don't. I, Jacob DeGrom has some kind of anger power on Steve Cohen because after that man left, Steve Cohen's been on a rampage. Rampage. Just spending money. It, and only tiny bits of his net worth. So it, it's going to be unbelievable. The $42 hot dog on opening day is going to be great uh, as long as the Mets win it. That's all that matters. So uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, the baseball world, a lot of fun right now, man. A lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun with these signings and, and how spring training is going to look now. We move forward. MLB obviously wrapped up right there. Not too much going on in the post or yeah, in the postseason or off season. Off season now. Off season yeah. rather. Where yeah. am I going with that? We're in transition. Not, not too much happening in the off season besides what we mentioned, but obviously as things occur, we will go over them. But besides baseball season being an off season, it is bowl season for Ooh. college football. So we mentioned a couple bowls last week that we like the names of. I'm gonna give you four bowls. Yep. We're gonna go over historic matchups, historic names. Let's start. Sugar Bowl, number five, Alabama, taking on number nine, Kansas State. Who do you got? Yeah, this is interesting. Kansas State hasn't been relevant since um, 
Bill Snyder and I'm playing. It was it. It's not Calvin Klein. Was the quarterback? Was it? I I forget if his name was that simple, but they had some kid uh, named Klein as their quarterback with Bill Snyder, who had been there since I I'm convinced he was there since sliced white bread existed. So you know that that was the last time they were really that good, and uh, now they roll into this against Alabama. I think they're a great story. I think they're gonna have a lot of fun. They're gonna play hard. Joel's I I believe the Bama guys are playing in this game. I believe they said they will play, even the ones. Bryce Young, Will Will Anderson, um, who are basically guaranteed to be top five picks. They're, it seems like they're going to play, and if they're going to play, I like Bama on this one. Listen, they lost two games this year on the last play of the game, so you know it's not. We're not talking about a Bama team that's lost four by a combined thirty five points each. You know, like we're we're talking about a team that's a couple plays away from playing in the playoffs. So, give me Bama. I think Kansas State hangs around for a little while, and then. You know, the old uh, roll tide comes in. That elephant stomps on whatever the wildcat is. Let's hit the Cotton Bowl Classic with number 10, USC, taking on number 16, Tulane. Who do you got here? This is fun. These offenses are going to be a lot of fun to watch, Jills. A lot of creativity. I think a lot of trick plays, a lot of excitement. I believe we haven't heard anything about Jordan Addison uh, from USC, whether he's going to play or not. I believe he is. If we hear nothing, and I'm going to preface this. If we hear nothing, I'm assuming the guy's playing. Is Jordan Addison going to the draft? I believe he is. Giants. Yeah, no, he's going to be an interesting prospect, and that we're going to that we're going to dive into. I know Crocky needs some wide receiver suggestions for the draft because he hates the draft. Um, we are not going to be talking pro days. I will ban that from this podcast. Uh, but we will, we will talk receiver and draft prospects. But if I don't hear about them, Joel's, I'm assuming they're playing. So... At full strength, I like I like USC to pull this thing out by by a field goal by and it's gonna be like I got like forty two well go forty one thirty eight. I think it's high scoring game. The Rose Bowl game this year hosts number eight Utah taking on number eleven Penn State five p.m. matchup on New Year's Eve. Who do you got here? Yeah, I know you and I have a goal of getting to Radio Row for the Super Bowl. But, I mean, Joel's like, we. Th- this is bucket list, man. To go to Pasadena for the granddaddy of them all. And I'm talking, like, do the Tournament of Roses. Like, the whole the whole experience would be so cool. It's it's on my bucket list. I think it's a lot of fun. So, um, I, I, this is an unbelievable game. The field, it looks unbelievable. It's always in pristine shape. And uh, Utah, we talked about this last week, unfortunately. Um, they're, they're playing inspired of two teammates that they lost in the offseason. And uh, it shows they've been really, really impressive. This Penn State team, too, so I forget, they're half a quarter away from playing in the, you know, um, they, they well, I guess they'd still be in the Rose Bowl technically, but um, nonetheless, it would be, you know, it, it still would sting less if they only had one loss because uh, they should have won that game against Ohio State. You know, but they're a good football team, too. And, you know, these games are always fun. The, the Rose Bowl doesn't matter. We saw Herbert in it a couple years ago. We saw um, Smith and Jabba last year. He did, you know, he had like 390 yards. Like, he went off. It was good. It, these guys rise to the occasion, Joel. I'll take the Big Ten in this game. Give me Penn State and James Franklin to score a huge ball win uh, on their on their way to their offseason. Now, we already went off the college football playoff, but this is the biggest college football game, if you will, outside of the playoff. The Orange Bowl, number six, Tennessee, takes on number seven, Clemson, at 8 p.m., New Year's Eve. Who do you got here? It's a good one. Great one. It is a good one. It is a great one. It'd be even better with Jalen Hyatt and Hendon Hooker for Tennessee. Uh, it's it's rather unfortunate that, you know, Hooker, obviously, with the torn ACL, and then, um, and what's it called, Hyatt, Hyatt. with the opting out. It, it, it stinks. It sucks. It's not fun. But uh, the games roll on, right? So... Uh, I, I don't like the comments Dabo's been making. He, he had a comment that uh, that they've been winning the NIL battle, God's name, image, and likeness, what, whatever. I, we're starting to see through the glass of Dabo Sweeney. Like, we're starting to see what's actually on the other side. But I think Clemson wins this game. I don't think it's pretty. Uh, uh, name to watch, though, number 11, Brian Barisi. He's, he, if he If he opts to get drafted, he'll be a top 10, top 15 pick. If not, he'll be the top interior lineman next year, like Jalen Carter is for Georgia. Coming, uh, how he came back this year, 
I'd be the same. Brian Barisi, keep an eye out for that. I think the Clemson Tigers take home the oranges. I mean, yeah. What are your thoughts on players, like we went over this last week, but you specifically, like players sitting out? Are you a fan of it? I, I am, like I said, I I would not. Uh, I'm all for playing the game and having fun with my guys. And, you know, when you're in that locker room, when you've been in that locker room, you kind of you kind of understand. But it, it sucks, Jules. Like, this is what college football has come to. You know, now you've got college kids saying, well, you know, it's, hey, man, it's a business. You know, it's a business decision. And, you know, again, like, you have to respect that, I think, because... It is. You know, it is. It is. And for some of these guys, they are getting, they are putting, they would be putting on the line generational wealth. And I think that's hard to ask people to do, you know. So all the respect to these guys, Joel, like I said, I personally would not, but I never blame these kids. Um, They got to do what's in the best interest for them because we sure as hell know the coaches don't do that. We know the universities don't do that. And we sure as hell know the NCAA doesn't do that. NCAA shows that by hiring a former Massachusetts governor who's had no involvement in the NCAA ever in his entire life. Now he's the new president of a league that's swimming in the NIL River. Sure, I'm sure he's going to be the guy that builds the dam that stops it. That's a conversation but, uh, for a whole another episode. Cause 100%. We, that, that's something we get into. Hundred, Not not this one, though. We'll, we'll get into that in a different one. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, if these guys choose to sit out, all, all the power to them. It's getting cold in here, bro. You can tell our throats are rasping up and stuff. Yeah. It's one of those I'm years. getting choked up talking about all this sports, man. I, I love mean, it. New Year's Bowl is rolling around. That means week 16, I believe. It's so weird. Yeah, the week and, 16. And there's yep. 18 weeks and now. 18, yeah. yeah, so this is week 16. Let's kick it off in the NFL. Football's still going. A lot of playoff implications yep. all week long. A lot of teams might be sitting some players because based on where they are in the standings. Yep. Let's start Thursday. Let's start right here at home. Jacksonville, Jaguars, and Trevor Lawrence. Take on Zach Wilson and the New York Jets because Mike White is not cleared. We have the battle of one versus two. We are anticipating a little more. Who do you got here? I think I was listening to WFAN, and they said I, they said you wouldn't expect Mike White the rest of the year. Um, there's no doctor on the planet that's going to risk uh, clearing him because he's got a broken rib, and, and if you break that rib again or break it in a certain way, you could puncture the lung and, and you could die. Like, that is... That 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 is you know that is a process. So no doctor's going to clear him. So Zach Wilson's your guy, whether you love him or not. He's the guy that's going to either be either lead this team to the playoffs or be their demise. And so there's nothing that he's shown me that tells me he's going to be part of the solution. And this Jaguars team, while it hasn't always been pretty, and they've had to rely on some comebacks, Trevor Lawrence has looked like a top five quarterback in the league the last month. His numbers are ridiculous. I, he's last only got, six games been insane. He, he's only got one interception, and it came last week, actually, against the Cowboys. Called the upset of the week, by the way. Thank you. Um, but, uh, no, I like Jacksonville to come up here. My cousin Cameron really hoping that uh, he's buying tickets for their last home game because they still got a shot to win their division. So I'm, I want the Jags to win. I want Cameron to be happy. And uh, we'll keep it rolling from there. So, I'll take the Jags. We got Robin Myers coming in, Jet fan next week, Joel's. Uh, we'll dive a lot more into Zach Wilson and what exactly why does he stink? Why is there an issue? What exactly is the issue? Is he the and future? Is there a solution? Right. Is there a solution? We get Go New on. York out of the way pretty early. Cause Saturday at one o'clock, the New York Giants take on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota to kick off Christmas Eve. Vikings are favored by three and a half points here. Who do you got? I give me the Giants by fifty. No, I'm kidding. Um, listen, this is a Minnesota Giants team. by 33 in the first half. This is a team, this is a Minnesota <laughs> team that was down 33 nothing at home to the Colts, who are, I think we can all agree, a worse football team than the Giants. They're bottom five. Especially without Jonathan Taylor, and who, who they've lost for the season, which is good news for us. We play the Colts next week. Got Deion Jackson on the playoff roster. Right, there you go. Um, we'll talk fantasy a little bit, but, uh, no, it, it, I don't see the Giants winning this game. I, I really don't. There's too many weapons. Justin Jefferson beats double and triple teams. What are the Giants going to do with McLeod and Flott and, you know, Pinnock and Adoree Jackson and, and uh, ATV boy are still not coming back this week. So, you know, I think there's just too many weapons, right? Even if they shut down Jefferson, you got Thielen, you've got Osborne is, is, is emerging, and you've got Hawkinson, you've got Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Giants rush defense isn't great. Leonard Williams might not play this week. Although, even though Kayvon Thibodeau looked like LT last week, K 
Can he do that again? I don't know. Uh, but, Joel, it, it does not smell good for the Giants in Minnesota. Although, i got to tell you, brother, as a Giant fan, it, it got me a little choked up this week because we started to see some playoff scenarios. The Giants can clinch this week if they win and they get losses from Washington and then, and then one or one of two, either Seattle or Detroit loses. Uh, Washington's playing San Francisco, which we'll talk about. Uh, Seattle's playing Kansas City. And Detroit gets Carolina. We'll talk about all those games. But, Charles, we've been talking about draft scenario clinchings the last five years. We're now talking about playoff mm. births. Christmas football. Oh, man. Meaningful Christmas football. Oh, it's so it's good. awesome. And I'll be at the game next week on, on New Year's. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that one. Charles, I can't wait, man. But in this one, I, I think Minnesota gets the job done at home. 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins, best. Best quarterback in football. We're rolling into 2023 next year. Yeah, man. Next week, actually. It's crazy, man. Time Wild. going. We move forward to the New Orleans Saints taking on the Cleveland Browns in back-to-back Saturday games for the Browns. The Browns are home. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites against the New Orleans Saints. Who do you got here? Mm, this Browns, is tough. Watson's been bad. Yeah, Jason he Hill's basically good. the quarterback for the Saints. He needs he needs a full offseason. Um, you can't miss 30 games and then plop yourself back in and Expect to be good again. I, Chelsea, I don't know. Like, these teams suck. Like, what do you want from me? Um, I'll take the Saints only because they're in the playoff hunt and uh, they got to win and somebody's got to kick Brady out of the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know if it's New Orleans, maybe it's Carolina, maybe it's Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the Saints. Keep the pressure on Tampa Bay. The hottest team in football, Detroit Lions, traveled to Carolina, take on the Carolina Panthers. Detroit is only a two and a half point away favorite. Kind of disrespectful, in my opinion. Who do you got here? Yeah, they kind of got away from uh, the good news is they got they're not playing this game in the Midwest. I know Detroit plays in a in a dome, but it is supposed to be frigid cold in the Midwest. It'll be frigid cold here Friday uh, night this weekend. But I think down in Carolina they should be okay. Uh, so I'm not necessarily worried about Detroit. I mean, listen, they won an ugly game last week against the Jets in in, in a team that played great defense against them. Joe, on their defense is starting to show up a little bit. They only lost, you know, they they lost 17 points to the Jets, but that's fine. That'll do it, you know. And so. I, I love I love this team. They played really really good football, and they're surging at the right time. I I like the Lions in this one. I like them to keep rolling. Um, I just realized this, but uh, twelve of the sixteen games are Saturday. Yes, sir. Only three games on Sunday and a game on Monday. I thought I was about to be reading Saturday four o'clock, and here's another <laughs> Saturday at one. There the Cincinnati Bengals travel to New England to take on the New England Patriots. The Bengals are only three point away favorites after the pitiful. Patriots lost last week. Comments on that play and this game. Uh, that was the worst play in NFL history. That was disgusting. Uh, the only thing I'm upset about is that it actually wasn't Matt Patricia or Joe Judge's fault, so I can't blame them and run them out of town. I mean, Jam- Jacoby Myers, what are you doing, dude? Like, hero first ball. Of all, first of all, like, try to, yeah, but trying to be a hero by throwing it back to Mac Jones. You're not throwing it to Lamar or literally anybody else. Throw it to Mac to make a play. To make a play. <laughs> You're throwing it to Joe Schmo, who looks like he's in a cement 95% of the time. And what are you doing, Mac dude? Mac Jones to make a play. <laughs> like, unbelievable. It's the dumbest play ever. I wouldn't I wouldn't fault Belichick for retiring off of that. But uh, in terms of this game, Jones, I, Jones. I can't. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. It's Foxborough, so we know weird things happen. But uh, I'll take I'll take Cincinnati because if Detroit's the hottest team in football, Cincinnati's the second hottest team in football. They've been playing great. They beat you know they blew out Tom Brady last week, um, and they beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. So uh, they're rolling right now, Jules. They should win this football game, and I, I have a weird suspicion, but I think they do. The Bills travel to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. The Bills are an eight and a half point away favorite. Justin Fields, I think, is playing. Josh Allen is now questionable because of his elbow. He's actually limited in practice this week. It might just be precautionary. Keep an eye out. Who do you got here? Do we have an upset of the – no, no. Not here. I, no, not here. Um, we saw, you know, if anything, the Bills are just going to watch the Eagles game from last week. The Eagles learned that that's a trap game. Well, I, I get it. Going to Chicago sucks. But there's nobody that knows how to deal with the cold weather better than the Bills do. I, I mean, if there's anybody that knows how to deal with it as much as Chicago does – uh, it's right on the Bills uh, on the Bills platter. So, listen, Joel, I think for a team in Buffalo that's been so banged up this year, I think they want the one seed really bad. And 
if you want to win the one seed, uh, Kansas City's got an awful schedule down the stretch here in terms of, like, they should win out. If you're Buffalo, you got to continue to win out, too. I think Buffalo wins this one. Our next matchup, Seattle Seahawks traveled to Kansas City, Missouri to take on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point home favorites. What do you got? Yeah, I think they win by two touchdowns. They have Patrick Mahomes. Seattle does not. Texas played a close one with them. I I think Seattle's coming back down to earth. That was also on the road, too, Jules. Uh, That was in Houston. Uh, I think this team's excited to be back home. I think they're going to – it's going to be a raucous crowd, as Arrowhead usually is. And I think they get enough juice from their fans to go win it. The team that went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs last week, the Houston Texans, traveled to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee is only three-and-a-half-point home favorites, despite raking off seven wins in a row this year. Who do you got here? Yeah, Derrick Henry loves playing the Houston Texans. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think those games are in Houston, uh, though a majority of those stats, but still. He, like, burns them every time for, like, 29 carries for, like, 250 and two tutties each. That's, like, an average, which is ridiculous. Um... I like Tennessee here, Joel's, but I like it to be close. This Texas team has played hard. Uh, you mentioned last week. You mentioned they are the, not the record. The week before, too, they had Dallas down until you know they needed a ninety-eight uh, ninety-eight yard drive with three minutes left in the game to go win that one. So, you know they they've played hard. This is the NFL. These guys still are NFL players. Um, so yeah, man, the the pride of Houston rolls into Tennessee. I think you know if this was a home game, this actually may have been my upset of the week, but. I think being on the road, they lose a close one. What do you think about the deployment of Davis Mills and um, Jeff Driscoll now with the two quarterbacks set? Do you like it? Uh, rule number one, Joel's if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero. zero. Uh, so they, they are in quarterback purgatory, and uh, congratulations because you don't get out quickly from and that. Congrats on Bryce Young. Yeah, there we, you go. We move forward to the Battle of the Birds. The Atlanta Falcons take on the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are seven-and-a-half-point home favorites here. Who do you got? Yeah, a lot's been made this week. I know a lot of fans have been calling for Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, to be fired. By the way, do we understand like Greg Roman's offense is tailor-made to Lamar Jackson? Only. I know Huntley and Josh Johnson, like they're not like they're not too far off the playing style of Lamar, but the like Maybe Justin Fields. Maybe it, Justin Fields. It doesn't it doesn't work without Lamar. I think even Roman would have tweaks to Fields as well. Um so but again at home, Atlanta I it's so weird. They It felt like Atlanta punted on the season when they put in Desmond Ritter. Marcus Mariota walked out of the building. Well, Mariota had not injury. Not to be found. You know, yeah, it, well, and then we found out he had the injury, but it seemed like he just walked out on the team. Kind of like he opted to have surgery because and, he knew it was Right, done, but and yeah. yet here we are. They're still in the hunt to win the division. Somebody's going to lose in that division uh, this Ooh. week, and it may be another team, but I also think it's Atlanta. Um, I, I do not like Atlanta this week. I like Baltimore at home to make it an ugly one. Gross football in the AFC. Maybe Tucker can't South. miss two field goals again. Dude, I have you in fantasy. Could you not do that, please? Not and, up or shut and up. Rant, and rant. We move forward to the Washington Commanders taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are the hottest team in football. Commanders coming off a devastating loss last week to the Giants. 49ers are seven-point favorites at home. Who do you got? Well, they're, they got to be one of the hottest teams, right? You already declared Detroit. The hottest team in football. Okay. The full team. Detroit's the hottest offense. 49ers the hottest full team. Okay. Well, yeah. No, no, I could agree with that. I just want to make sure we had that discrepancy discrepancy mapped out. Um, I, you know, listen, Jules, we're Giant fans. I like San Francisco in this game by like 90 touchdowns. Like, I want, I want them to just roll over Washington. Listen, I think, I think the Giants exposed some things with Heineke last week. Um, I, I had never, we, Crucky in our group chat had talked about like how, you know, Heineke's just not that good was basically what he was saying. And like, I never watched it. Like I was like, well, this guy's, he's got some magic in him, right? Like he's doing something right. I like watch him play the game of football and it like makes me cringe. I'm like, I don't like this guy. Like this guy kind of stinks. Um, you know, again, they have McLaurin, Samuel weighs a buck 10 soaking wet. Um, Dotson's been awesome. Dotson's been awesome. You know, and out of the backfield, Brian Robinson, again, who got shot at the beginning of the year. All the credit to him uh, and the staff that got him rehabilitated to where he is right now. Played more games than Mike Thomas this season. Yeah, but uh, I can't I can't pick Washington here. What are you, nuts? Uh, Brock Purdy is in a chase, Jules, to be the greatest Mr. Irrelevant of all time. And I think he takes another step towards that this weekend by beating Washington. If you can't pick Washington, you're going to be disgusted at this next matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles take on Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. 
Cowboys are four and a half point home favorites because Jalen Hurts might miss time. Who do you got here? I'm not picking this game. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, you have to make tough decisions sometimes. I think Hurts sits out. I think... I Smokescreen. Well, I also think two Joels, it doesn't make a lot of sense to play him. Uh, this game was supposed to be for the division, but, of course, Dallas couldn't take care of business last week So uh, and blew it when it mattered the most. So, naturally, this game doesn't really mean much as Philly can just win their last two, coasting comfortably, beat the Giants in Week 18, which would stink. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I... Jules, I don't see any reason to put Hurts out there. I, I would don't. not think if we avoid the 49ers. I'm just throwing that out it's there. It's true. It's true. I mean, you, you, you we're either going to get San Francisco or Minnesota yeah, if we make the playoffs. Wanted to make that I would clear. much rather play Minnesota than I would. Yeah, that's fair. Um, or the Bucks. Well, no, because they're they're going to be the last. They're going to be the last division winner. They're going to play get the, a five. No, uh, we that's can. Dallas. Cowboys would need to yeah. lose out. We would yep. need to win out, and they have a tiebreaker. Yes. Okay. So. Um, to go from there, Joel's. I just, you know, I don't think it makes sense to play Hurts. If this game meant everything, sure, ice them up, needle them up, let them roll. But uh, I don't, I don't really see a need for it. Plus, too, like, you know, and, and okay. So I'll premise this. I, I don't think Hurts is going to play. At that point, I'll take Dallas. I'll take Dallas to win. Um, you know, Carter Min- <laughs> Minshew magic. I, uh, I'm sure that's going to be the narrative, but. Put this Minshew game, on the Jets, they're a 12-win team. But this game in Dallas, I think if Hurts doesn't play, which I don't think he will, I'll take Dallas in this one. So it's weird because obviously the schedule makers in the beginning of the season thought these all would be good games. And we're going to start with the Saturday primetime. <laughs> oh, don't, okay, don't ruin well, this my is, Christmas. This, this is good. This is good right now. The Raiders take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in what would be the Immaculate Reception anniversary, 50th anniversary game. Pittsburgh's home. They're two-and-a-half-point home favorites. For the sake of history and for the sake of football, who do you got here? Yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh for the sake of history and for the sake of football. Um, I I think they win an emotion. I think it's gonna be very emotional. No doubt. Uh, at, I don't really give a damn what the new sponsor is. It's Heinz Field, um, so it's gonna be a very emotional night at Heinz Field. And Jules, uh, I think that propels Pittsburgh to win. I think they make just make enough plays. We could talk to Molt. We can call Molt right now, and he'll tell you. The Raiders know how to lose football games. They knew how to lose against New England until New England said, hold my beer, dude, and, you know, found a way to lose worse. Laddled at 30 yards <laughs> across field. But, uh, but nonetheless, Jones. <laughs> nonetheless, I think in a very emotional night, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers take the victory. Moving forward, the Green Bay Packers taking on the Miami Dolphins Sunday at 1 o'clock on Christmas Day. Miami is the three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Uh, what is it called? A, a hot Christmas? A, a hot Christmas. A warm Christmas? Warm Christmas? Yeah. I, well, green Christmas. Well, white is snow. Yeah, so it's a green Christmas in Florida. Dolphins are three and a half point favorites over the Packers. Who do you got here? Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers spends too much partying the night before. Um, I, I'll take Miami in this one. Uh, it, you know, listen, I although I got to tell you, with the humidity, I don't know what the humidity looks like down there. Uh, but it could get nasty. Then that that stuff's hard to breathe in, you know. So uh, I'll take Miami at home. They got to get right. Uh, they got to win a game here, and uh, there's no better team to get right against than Green Bay. I'm laughing because they thought the Christmas games would be awesome, and they're terrible. Oh, <laughs> the God. the Denver is... Broncos travel to Los Angeles to take on the oh, Rams. The Broncos are two and a half point away favorites, and what would have been Russ versus defending Super Bowl champions and all that hype. Has turned into a snooze fest midday on Christmas. What do you got here? Two and a half point favorites uh, to Denver. Yeah, Brett Ripon, right? Or, or yeah. Reagan or whatever the it's heck Riffin his name is. It's Griffin versus Baker. Rippin. Third string versus third string. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like I've talked about Baker. I've been very critical of Baker. Um, I think some of his fake, I think some of his chip on his shoulder stuff is fake at times. And the whole, like, everybody doubted, doubted me. Again, when you were a walk on, that makes sense. Yeah, you got a hot wife and you're a millionaire. After you win the Heisman and you go number one overall, I don't really buy that anymore. Um, I, but, you know, again, like, in this matchup, I, 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 let's go Baker. Why, you know, why not? Who knows? I don't know. But I'll take Baker in this one, sure. The primetime Sunday night. <laughs> Could have been epic. Is <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Arizona to take on the oh, Cardinals? <laughs> Trace McSorley is starting for the Cardinals this week. T- Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are seven and a half point away favorites now because of it. What do you got here? Yeah, I think Tampa's got to win this game. It's a must win for them. Their schedule, including this game, is, is not good. It's not good down the stretch. 
Um, they have to win this game. I think Tom Tom understands that. Gronk did tweet out, Joel's before we started the pod, that he's a little bit bored. Uh-oh. Uh, and, you know, maybe he needs a two-game cushion to get ready for the postseason. I don't know. I'm not Gronk's trainer, but uh, it seems like there could be a phone call to be had between him and TomTom. Yeah, and, retirement uh, home to retirement home. <laughs> Lay up. Brady may never retire. But uh, nonetheless, I think the Bucks go on the road. They have to win this game. I think they will. We move forward to our Monday 8-15 matchup the day after Christmas. The last game before – ooh, no, not the last game before the new year. That would be next Thursday. Yep. The Chargers take on the Colts. The Chargers are four-and-a-half-point away favorites in Indianapolis. Who do you got here? God, these games stink. Terrible. We couldn't flex these, anything. These all could have been great, though. That's the funny part. Yeah. Well, could have, should have, would have, right, is the old saying. But uh, I'll you, take the Chargers in this one. What do you mean? When the schedule ma- makers made this, they thought young Herbert – Seasoned Matt Ryan with a new team. They thought this was it, man. <laughs> That's great. Um, they'll live to write a book about that one day. Um, I'll take the Chargers. Again, another team that understands they have to win if they want to continue to get into the postseason. Chills, I think they've been playing better football as of late. And uh, the Colts team, well, they haven't really been playing good football as of late. Nope. So I'll, I'll take the Chargers even on the road. Uh, Herbert's going to love it indoors, and uh, I think they roll from there. I mean, yeah, it's basically it for the episode. I know next week we're going to get into more Jets, Zach Wilson, all that good stuff. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, next week we should have Robbie Myers on the podcast. That'll be a lot of fun. Robbie's been a guest before. One more to the new year, bro. Yeah, one more to the new year. Joel's, we got Christmas coming up. Um, We want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Huge Christmas, guys. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, I want you to have the best. it's a great holiday, Joel's. They know, you know, everybody's getting gifts for everybody. Again, I know it could be a tough year for some people. You know, listen, getting anything for your loved ones and showing them that you love them, it's, it's all it takes. You know, it's, you don't have to get them a car. You don't have to get them a house. But show them, you know, you give a damn about them. Never and, about the material. It's about the thought. Right. 100%, Joel's. And, and everybody gets it, right? They, you know, things are tough. Things are tighter this year than they have been in other years. Just do what you have to do. Uh, to make your loved ones feel special. And, uh, yeah, you're right. One more before the end of the year. And uh, that's going to be episode 78. I can't think of a 78 off the top of my head. Maybe Jack Conklin, who used to play for Tennessee. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, actually. Uh, but we'll see if we can find some historical uh, number 78. I don't know if I could dig one up like Charlie Getty again. Uh, but, uh, obviously, shout out uh, Charlie Getty. It is uh, dedicated to him. Uh, Jolon had Andrew Whitworth. And, uh, yeah, Joel's, I can't really, you know, can't really think of much else. Um, you could reach out, as always, on Instagram or Twitter, at Goose on the Mic. Uh, same handle, both sites. Joel, where might the people be able to find you and or the podcast? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at good old Joel's. You can follow our Twitter at Podcast Aired Out and our Instagram at aired.podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, you could feel free to reach us at those. And yeah, baby, Christmas. Yeah, reach out if you want to be a guest on the show. We love having you on. And you know, if you need, if you got to catch up, guys, go to the Spotify page, Apple Podcast, Amazon uh, Podcast, whatever. Just go back and listen. You know, Joel's. I think the best thing about this is, you know, we dive deep into so many matchups, and the and the episodes are so long. You can kind of pick, right? If you want only care about the Jacksonville game, boom, you can find it. We've got four minutes where we talk about the game as in depth as we can, and boom, we're on. So. You know, again, we appreciate all our listeners, all our fans out there, and and we can't do it without you guys. And we're going to continue, you know, try to do what's best for the podcast and keep it rolling and have some fun, Joel. So I don't know about you, but this is the best part of my day, one of the best parts about my week. So um, as long as it's that, right, as you know, that we keep the train rolling from there. And uh, yeah, until week seventeen in the NFL, uh, until after Christmas, and until episode seventy-eight, Joel's. But I heard him exclaim, "Ear, he drove out of sight." Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night.